Hello and welcome to Do It Justice, your local weekly podcast <laughs> on which a guest speaker and I discuss three ideas all under one umbrella theme or as I like to call it, debate with a mate. Thank you for coming back to the 14th episode or if you're new thanks for tuning in. So our guest speaker this week is Lawley so I'd like to welcome her on. Hello, hi. How are you doing Lawley? I'm very well thank you, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, just um, looking outside my window and it's actually pretty foggy which is a shame but you know, British weather, what can we do? <laughs> Like, literally last week it was boiling and now it's raining. Yeah, this is the the peak of summer, so. <laughs> exactly. So, um, today we're kind of focusing on the general topic of internalised sexism and how that, like, the different tropes that we can see in women's and men's lives. Um, and, yeah, we're just delving into that. I did actually have a girl text me last week asking if she, I'd done any specific episodes about this. So, um, I'm glad that Lolly said that she'd be up for doing this episode. So, we're going to start off with just kind of um, explaining um, and, like, defining what internalised sexism is. So, Lolly, do you want to um, take this one? Yeah, internalised sexism takes the form of sexist behaviours and attitudes enacted by women towards themselves or other women and girls. Mm. And um, so Lolly and I have both read um, Women Don't Are You Pretty by Florence Given. And Florence Given very articulately puts it that it is, we are doing the dirty work, the sexism, we are doing the dirty work so men don't even need to get their um, hands dirty. And I do think that that's a really good way of putting it because it is so deeply entrenched within like our norms and, and the, the way we think about ourselves that that's that we that we don't ever question it. I mean Lolly what did you think of that book overall just in general and how that like awoken you awake awakened you either way to um kind of these thinking patterns and stuff yeah I think it, it's an amazing book I'd recommend it to everyone listening because it did change my life literally I read like three chapters and I was like my life will have been yeah. the same <laughs> and it's powerful and emotional and what opens your eyes up to some crazy things that we can all recognize in ourselves yeah she's talking about things that it's so sad because i'd like to think of myself as a feminist definitely identify as a feminist i know a lot of other women our age would but actually seeing these things highlighted and written down makes you have uncomfortable conversations with others and yourself about how you act and how you think it's normal to act in this way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the biggest things that uh, you and I took away from it was the, the way we thought about ourselves and the way we thought about other girls. And it all mm -hmm. comes down to this idea of internalised sexism and how um, quite often we are made to feel like we're competing with every other woman on the planet yeah. and so we get we develop these thinking patterns of well I'm not like the other girls or um like I, I was discussing with you like examples of how I saw it in like everyday life and um it was it's even down to like when I would see um a woman taking like a selfie in public not embarrassed I would think oh like how cocky and like she's full of herself but now like and, and I still like unfortunately I still do have those thoughts because I've only obviously had these revelations like very recently but now I force myself to think like actually I probably feel threatened that she's like confident enough to do that and um I, I have like nothing on her she's like a beautiful woman why would I want to put her down yeah I think it's almost like when you feel kind of you cringe a little bit hmm. at someone doing that you're actually just portraying your own insecurities on insecurities onto that person for sure I wish I could go around vlogging my day or taking selfies or whatever or putting whatever I want on my Instagram story and not caring what other people think and actually maybe it's kind of a bit embarrassment within ourselves that we are equals but she's got more confidence in me and is taking the opportunities that I am too scared to kind of take. 
Yeah. And also another thing that's in the in the book is that shame is like a really powerful tool. Mm-hmm. And um um given she she basically says how shame is used to kind of minimize us and control us. And I think that's completely true because I think what you what you say about the fact that things that we cringe at other people are reflections of um, like our inner insecurities and like um, another example is for example another example is for example um, <laughs> in secondary school um, I was friends with um, a girl who moved away afterwards but um, she was very like open about her emotions and like that came in different forms so like sometimes she would cry in school uh, but sometimes like she would she was also someone who'd be like really um, honest about enjoying my company and I was just thought it was a bit soppy I was just a bit like oh like okay but when I realized like looking back it's actually I just thought oh well she's being weak showing her emotions and like um all, all this kind of in, in, in like a platonic way almost and um, like hard to get and like not laying your cards out on the table you know mm. I just, I just thought that that was interesting. That looking back, I felt, I felt probably quite threatened about it. And now, like, I have like odd, like on the odd occasion, cried in front of my friends and stuff. Only when, you know, when I want to cry. But um, it still does make me feel a bit uncomfortable. Have you ever had any experiences like that before? Yeah, I think it's kind of crazy because we there's this mentality of boys don't cry and like don't be such a girl. Like it's such a girly thing to show your emotions. Mm. And I think that's something that in kind of recent history, maybe like the last three years, I've actually come to terms with that. I do cry a lot because I do Mm. feel emotions and I care a lot about my friends and school and my family and all that kind of thing. And that actually it's healthy to kind of get that, get emotions out, but in a public place to other women is not somewhere where I would necessarily feel the most comfortable, but actually we've all, like had a bit of a cry over something stupid and moved on Mm. and it shouldn't be something that's kind of a sign of weakness I think it should be more of a sign of strength yeah for sure it's showing that you are struggling or hurting or even if you're not crying in front of another person but it's just acknowledging your own feelings as well as someone else acknowledging those feelings for you Hmm. and uh, yeah I think that's a very good you brought to like the listeners attention that internalized sexism affects like men as well in Mm. this in the sense that obviously a lot of men feel this pressure from society as well but also like um, internally from things that people have said like on a personal level to like not cry and I think that's it's really important to draw attention to um aspects of sexism like that because sometimes and we we're all kind of like this you know we can't really understand it until we're put in that position but sometimes um men and and boys find it difficult to understand the point of fighting against sexism but it's like it kind of goes both ways obviously it goes further against women than it does men and I think I, I read a um a thing about how women are oppressed but men are repressed or repressed I don't know how you say it and but yeah it's 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 um it permeates like loads of different layers of society and I completely agree that like that very much still exists today and whilst I know quite a lot of boys who have like cried in front of me there's still like a massive stigma like if they cry there's like there's still going to be like repercussions and they'll like I've heard stuff about them getting slated in group chats about it later on Mm. and you know I think it's just all like a bit of a toxic mindset because it's about being vulnerable, isn't it? It's about being yeah. vulnerable. And I, I understand to a certain extent why we dislike that because from a very, um, what's it called? 
where we, from a very evolutionary perspective, being vulnerable isn't a trait that you want to show when we think mm-hmm. back to like the pack mindset. But we have progressed, we have progressed quite a lot from that. So I think it's yeah. just important to be open about it and stuff. And so the next thing we kind of wanted to touch on was how we can combat it. So do you have any ideas or suggestions or thoughts? I think it's really important to look at your own like internal monologue and also the things that people around you are saying there's certain phrases that just are not okay to say like um the phrase i'm not like other girls i think is so dangerous for young teenagers because i think it's you should be proud of your femininity and you should be proud to be a woman Mm. and maybe because society's telling you that you're the kind of um inferior sex that you don't want to be seen as girly and you don't want to be seen as feminine but actually it's something you should kind of take pride in and so you you should never say those things because it should be something that you can like um have in common with someone that you um aspire to be like and you should have female role models and all of those kind of things are so important for teenage girls and women in all of their life yeah for sure and I think like I was talking to you about how um lockdown and like quarantine had obviously given me a lot of time on my own for just like mm-hmm. um self-reflection and not not even on like a spiritual level but just um being with myself on my thoughts and recognizing the patterns and stuff and I noticed myself like really putting like even on like say for example obviously the only like contact for a lot of us got for a while was on social media and so Mm. I would see people putting on that like what they were doing in quarantine and and I would like uh, specifically girls if they if they'd like put on makeup that day or put on a nice outfit I'd be like oh like why would they do that can't be bothered it's just for show it's just to take a selfie etc it's like really toxic mindsets right Mm. really toxic thoughts and so I was but I started noticing myself more and more and then when I read um women don't know you pretty and kind of like uh, laid it out like spelt it out for me about why I was doing these things but I, I think it's completely true that you have to notice the thought pattern in yourself recognize it and like first of all understand that we are all very different individual people like as like let's take a classic and um, trope like weight and like th- this I this idealized body of like being super skinny right it's like mm-hmm. even if you dieted and exercised so much you're still never gonna look like that person mm-hmm. and and like a lot of people who've done that have got to that point and then realized oh I'm still well I'm not happy now I'm still Mm. deeply insecure and unhappy and so I think it's about um very um not methodically but very rationally working out what it is about these girls or these women that you see and we instantly feel jealous about them and then working like through that because I just think that it's a very toxic mindset and I don't think you can ever genuinely be happy if if we continue to think like that you know yeah I think that comparison to other people and that actually even if you ate exactly the same food as one woman and did the exact same exercise and had the exact same routine your genetic makeup and your body is completely different Mm. so you would never become exactly the same as them and that's not what we should be striving towards you can say oh I'm really um, inspired by that girl's motivation to work out and you can use that in a positive mindset but then being obsessed with trying to get to this idealistic figure is 
it, it it's not realistic at all mm. and if that's someone you know that's they're human as well but if it's in magazines or on instagram and stuff half of it's photoshopped and fake anyway so why should you be trying to live up to something that's impossible to live up to exactly and this uh, this kind of leads on to something that we um, discussed before filming this podcast about the way that society is constructed to make women be so um like obsessed with minute details and stuff like this so you've got a little bit to say about um well we both have but about um, makeup and and the fact that when we go to even like from the ages of like 11 12 i remember being quite conscious putting on a bit of concealer like 12 like do you you want to have a um a bit of a talk because i just find it ridiculous and hilarious as i was saying to you Mm. so we were talking about in the book a big kind of theme running through is women performing for the male gaze yes gaze as in (laughs) g-a-z um and how the women have to well they don't have to but the pressure from society is for them to uphold a certain level of beauty in anything they do whether that's putting on makeup before school making sure their hair straightened and i know there's people that haven't gone to school without their hair being done, without having mascara on, without having eyebrows done for the last five years mm-hmm. and that they just can't go to school to get an education without doing those things first. Or in a workplace, a woman feels like she has to dress up or look presentable. And how is it fair that teenage boys most of the time can rock out of bed, put on a school uniform and be out the door in 10 minutes, but there's girls that feel pressured to wake up at 6.30 to get themselves looking presentable just so they're seen as equal to men no i completely agree and it's it's it is comical because like you say we go go to school and we go to school for an education but i remember watching a um a gmb discussion and they had a woman who was like a big advocate for just like not wearing makeup and not caring and there was another woman who was um like um a businesswoman has said, or a bit, some sort of businesswoman, and she said that she would not hire anyone who hadn't worn makeup. And she used the argument of um, women makeup for women is like um, a haircut or a beard trim or whatever for men. And she argued that it, there's different levels of presentability. What do what do you think about that? I understand that you want to portray your best self in say a job interview scenario but I don't think that the need to put on makeup or spend so much time on your your appearance is necessary because a lot of the time I think that internally women are actually doing that for men Hmm. not even on purpose but maybe if it was an all-female workplace they'd feel less pressure to kind of dress up and maybe in a male workplace to do. I don't know the statistics on it. I don't know how people feel in different scenarios, but I just think that that it's kind of internal and you don't even know that that's happening and that you making yourself look pretty for a man. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, a good question you have to ask yourself is, if I was the only person alive in the world it was just yourself, a bit of a lonely existence, but nevertheless, would you still be doing it? And I, I asked, um, I spoke to Lily, um, a friend, um, about this and more specifically about shaving. And mm-hmm. we were talking about it and I don't shave re- really at all. Um, but I, my, like, say for example, my excuse for not shaving my legs is that um, 
I have blonde hair, they've never bothered me. But also that when I do shave, they don't feel any smoother. They don't give me any physical satisfaction, etc. But um, mm-hmm. I've spoken to people um, like Lily, for example. So I don't know whether this was her personal um, reason, but she it was mentioned that a lot of girls shave for um, f- feeling smooth and, and they feel more clean. But I just think even when you examine that, that is an entrenched idea of what smooth and clean is for women mm-hmm. like even then it's not your own reasoning it's because we've been conditioned and to a certain extent that that, that conditioning is so permanent that some girls and I'm not criticizing like do what you want with your body I, I could literally couldn't care less and mm-hmm. um, but some girls would shave their legs even if people even if they were the only person on the planet um because they've been like coded or like um taught that that's what's nice and feminine and stuff like that you know yeah I saw a really interesting video on this recently it was from Unjaded Jade which I know people have controversial opinions on controversial opinions I thought she was like the most innocent person ever yeah but no I think that some people find her a bit annoying and like don't think she I think she's a bit idealistic in her kind of methods or whatever but she did the video shaving her legs for the first time in three years Mm -mm. And it's really interesting, actually, because she did she talked about a bit a bit about the history of why women feel like they have to shave, and that it was actually Gillette who needed to um, start a campaign during the war times because all the men were off fighting and they were, their sales had gone down. Gillette is a big like shaving brand, mm-hmm. and so they made women's body hair something that was unclean and dirty, and that you'd have to shave it off. And I, that is just crazy. But then you rock up to a PE lesson in year eight and feel the stress of have I shaved my legs, have I not? Should I pull these football socks up so no one can see the little prickles on my legs? And it's something that we think that we have to do from the age of 12. And from the age of when of you start people. growing, yeah, like growing hair and, and like me, more specifically pubic hair as well. Yeah, I think after reading the book I said to myself well I'm just going to stop shaving just as a a bit of a feminist movement but also because what why should I Mm -hmm. and that actually for me I it's not for um I didn't shave because of judgment from men it was more I think judgment from other women yes no I was was absolutely about to touch on this because I specifically remember in um in PE like you were saying in like we're we're talking like when I'm 11 or 12 years old Mm. and I hadn't shaved and my hairs are like long but they're like blonde you really can't see them on my legs and like yeah I literally got like mild forms of verbal abuse from girls like ooh that's gross mm-hmm. why have you not shaved and that's what that's what I mean when it is that that is a perfect example of internalized sexism when women are doing the dirty work of a sexist and misogynistic society yeah and I think that there's it is obviously harmful in a way that we shouldn't expect young women to be this but also it's like I've cut myself so many times shaving got like razor burn all these things a mad rush trying to shave your legs before PE say the next day and that you're putting your through yourself through something that's not enjoyable it's not for me it's not like a self-care like shaving legs I know for some girls it is and they like to put clean bedding on and like get into bed and it's all great mm. but for me it's not something that's enjoyable it's something that's like necessary to be seen as pretty or clean or something like that which now as a woman I 
look back and think that is so deeply flawed and I feel sorry for my like 11 12 year old self that she kind of had to go through that because of other women Mm. yeah and and I I do think that yeah, at the end of the day, I just do find the argument of it being clean and more mm. like it's well. First of all, it's only more feminine because we've like made that connotation through years of like um, just tradition and like uh, entrenching that in our values. But mm-hmm. if it's more clean, if it's cleaner, um, then why don't boys do it? Yeah, and I like, can remember being told that it's it's unclean and you will smell if you don't shave your armpits from so young and that stayed with me for such a long time and it will just be some one's older sister telling them that and then telling the friends and it's not true at all and it's I don't know it's just that miss um education yeah. is so dangerous for young girls for sure and like um with that idea that I do know um two guy friends who shave, shave their armpits I think maybe specifically when it's in summer because it gets hotter and obviously we all sweat more and and they do use the excuse of like oh I just feel more clean and stuff. If you actually do like research, there has been some because I did some research about it, and there has been some um, studies that show like uh, the hair is that like I, I always just raise the question like the hair is there for a reason. Mm. If it was unnecessary, we would have evolved past it. You know, mm-hmm. like there yeah. like why why do people think that that's so silly? Um, to like have it under there but anyway I think that um, body has just a massive debate on itself and I'd love to like get a guy on here and just talk about it because mm-hmm. I know like I had um, a guy friend talk to me after I posted an episode about body hair with Isabel Muna and um, he said you know not all guys like women um, like fully shaven and stuff like that but mm. realistically if a guy were to and, and I can't sit here and judge them because in the past I have also done this and I'm sure everyone has but if they were to see a girl who was unshaven they would the the, the first feeling they would have would be that of disgust mm. and so like it, it's it's okay for them to like sit there and be like well I don't actually care but realistically there are those still that there are still feelings there but anyway yeah. um so you wanted to talk a little bit about male versus female friendships and the difference and how how they're valued differently so do you want to take the lead Yeah, I think that something that I took away from the book and um, kind of was reflecting on myself, did a bit of journaling, Mm. taking up journaling during lockdown. I'm going to take that off. It seems like quite a good little therapy session every day. Just to kind of like reflect on your own past experiences and how you want to change in the future. But I think that we have this mentality at kind of like, the like your teenage years that having friends of the opposite gender is like quirky and cool and more desirable Mm. and that is fine and I think it's I think it's super important for girls and boys to be friends especially if well not well whatever your sexuality is but I think that if men want to one day marry a woman and live with a woman then surely they should have friendships with them and be honest with women and girls throughout their life Mm. but I think that we kind of then neglect female friendships because we think that the male friendships need more work and are more important because they're seen as kind of more socially interesting and socially different and like Mm. like valued more because I would like pride myself like I'm in a really strong friendship group that is both got guys and girls in Mm. and I thought that was so great and like I would 
because when I I can remember myself doing this, but when I tell a story to like family members about like my friend said this, I would always emphasize the male pronouns mm. just so I could be a bit more kind of I don't know. No, I've done that. Friends well, with boys, that, and it's yeah. cool. Yeah, no, no, which I think sure. is stupid, and all my friends listening will hate me for it probably. But then you neglect female friendships and take them for granted a little bit. And you were talking about how it's that kind of like the female friends will always be there so you don't have to try as hard. Yeah, so I I thought it was interesting because for me, I don't think I don't I don't think I do this, but I can understand the logic of the reason why we almost neglect female friendships more is because of the fact that like for me like for most people, uh, for people with mothers, the you, the mother and um child bond is very strong bond and arguably one of the strongest bonds you're ever going to have in your life and Mm. so if you are a girl um I don't know I don't know whether it's different for boys because obviously I I can only speak from my experience but I think potentially the rationale might be that um I have like you you see all women in the same light that you see your mother in the sense that they're never going to leave me they're going to love me unconditionally I therefore don't have to put as much effort in Mm -hmm. and you undervalue it and you um, take it for granted and I can't I think it's really interesting that you've um made that realization because I definitely haven't but I completely agree like say for example if I went to um uh, like a family do and I was talking about a friend I think I would potentially have even like said the boy's name if I was talking about something they mm. said because it and this is what it comes down to it comes down to this sense of validation from being in contact with males because we put mm. them on a pedestal um, and yeah. we put we put them on a pedestal we value their um even their like contact and um time with them and conversations with them a lot more because we've been entrenched with this idea that their friendship is a lot more valuable to us and I think that that's so interesting that you've noticed that because I definitely think that that is something that everyone can um feel and, and sense so I think what's important is to to value both your male and female fr- friendships and not like distinguish between them because also yeah. arguably um, a friendship with a male is very different to that of a friendship with a female depending on where you come from would you agree um I think I have very similar friendships with all of my friends regardless of gender mm. and I know that's not the same for a lot of people because I have never thought as my thought of my closest friends who are guys is like I hate the phrase boy best friend Mm. because he's just your best friend yeah or he's not or you can have multiple best friends if that's what you want and I would I'd say that for a long time I would argue with my female friends more or bring something up that I didn't like more and feel like nervous to bring it up with a male friend because I was scared of that rejection and maybe it's because we think the female friendships will be innate and will always be there and you can kiss and make up easier hmm. because I think that men, that women kind of want to hold on to any male attention even if it's not if it's completely platonic they kind of like that and I think that is that internalized sexism again that they like to be noticed by their guy friends and they like to be kind of I don't know getting any kind of male attention which I think is so flawed when there are amazing women that we just maybe take for granted. Yeah. I don't know. I think it is hard. Uh, yeah, I think that's interesting. I'm just, like, trying to reflect on the the friendships I have with, like, males. And mm. I think it's um, arguably the closest male friends I have. Um, and I don't... I'm not, like, in a specific group with males. Like, I have, like, a girl, a girl group and, mm-hmm. and then I have boyfriends. But 
loads of boyfriends actually no but um <laughs> and like I think it's it depends on the type of person I'm friends with because I, I think almost in my head in order for me to be as close with a guy friend as I am with a girlfriend um they almost have to be and I know this is a bit weird and I don't know whether anyone else will recognize it but they almost like I think they have to be um um what's it romantically unavailable because mm-hmm. I don't know like I'm just thinking about two of my closest guy friends and they're both in relationships yeah. and I think in my head I almost rationalize it in the sense that it's it's not that if they weren't in relationships I would try and like date them mm-hmm. but it's that because that's there I don't have fear of judgment or I don't have fear that they'll um I don't know I don't know I don't know how to I think it I think that builds on another issue about the mentality of wanting a gay best friend. Yes. And that because, oh, my best friend, well, someone's best friend or whatever is gay means that we're, nothing's ever going to happen. And he's like one of the girls kind of thing. Mm. And that maybe that is kind of, I, I don't know, kind of destroying his masculinity. So he's kind of more like, I don't know, maybe you trust him more or maybe you think that you can be more open with him. Yeah. And I think, ugh, I I think it comes... I actually think you've hit the nail on the head. I think, for me at least, it comes down to trust because mm. I think... When I think to, uh, like, my guy friends who I would say I'm quite close with and I've been quite open with and honest with, um, I'm close with them because I know that they, like... Say, for example... I'm thinking specifically of one guy who's dating a very close friend of mine and I know that he's like a, a genu- genuinely nice guy and I think it might mm-hmm. just come down to the fact that a lot of the time in my head I do have this idea that um, all males, not all males, but like the majority of males, th- there is an underlying idea of... Um, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to phrase this carefully because I'm not. I'm not going to try and sit here and say all my guy friends want to be in a relationship with mm-hmm. me, but I'm just trying to like basically talk about how I think that when when there's a, that layer of trust and you know it's not even about nothing's going to go further, but it's mm-hmm. just that you know that you can be open and honest with them and, and, and lack of fear of judgment. I think it's lack of fear of judgment. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's also that if it is in your mind, you think that every guy is going to take advantage of you in some way not in a serious way but in any situation that when you find a guy who is genuinely not interested at all in anything romantic and is just genuinely a nice person who you you trust more than anyone in the world you kind of want to grab onto them because they're quite rare yeah and that it's like my best friend happens to be a boy but he's the person that I would trust most in the world Mm. with any situation and I think that's really nice but it doesn't mean that I can't that I spend all of my time and attention on that one friendship yeah I get that I think interestingly potentially what it might be is that subconsciously and this is this is like I'm not saying that this is set in stone but it's a bit of a speculation but potentially it might with the reason we um like cherish boys who have not shown interest back um or you know um 
when when people take advantage of like like you know this this term and this idea of a gay best friend is because of the fact that there's nothing we can do that will make them that will like um for want of a better phrase like turn them off or like not be interesting in us because potentially all the time we're trying to rationalize and like Florence Gibbons says all the time we're trying to appear rather than just be and we're trying to still what like you um, so say you've got a situation where the guy is, you know, like he's never cancelled out that he could date the, the girlfriend, but the girl is very much not interested in him. In the back of her mind, even if she's not interested in him, she might still just be um, appearing. Um, uh, what's it like? Um, like not acting, but... Um, like presenting. Yes, presenting themselves as a certain way because we've always had it entrenched in the back of our mind that the only reason you talk to a guy is because the aim is to like get married to one and like mm-hmm. settle down with him because that is you know for a long time that was the aim of, of women mm-hmm. what do, do you I think, think it is I think it is interesting because I think that if you're open and honest with someone and there is this heart that I think that a lot of people think there's blurred lines between being friends with someone of the opposite gender if you're both um straight and that there's a blurred line between being friends and then it turning into a relationship. And I'm not saying that you can't be friends with someone of the opposite gender and nothing ever happen. Mm. But we do know a lot of relationships, people are friends first, which I think is also important. But it's that kind of, when you are you communicate to each other, and if you've had conversations like, I don't know, lighthearted or serious conversations that you don't want, you don't want, a romantic relationship that actually then you don't have to feel pressure to put on makeup when you're going to see them yeah or you don't feel pressure to like look the best even if you you don't find them attractive in that way I think something in the back of your mind is that maybe and that door is still kind of open yes it so is just yeah, in yeah. case in five years time he wants to run into my arms and we go get married <laughs> I still need to make myself look great every time I see him yeah that, that's totally like, it. and what I find hilarious is the fact that when you enter into a relationship all those barriers are broke down broken down anyway and like mm. you will they will see you without makeup and they will see on yeah, your worst yeah, face yeah. like do, do you know what I mean yeah, that is so interesting because I feel like I think that for me, I would want a long term relationship where I can be my most vulnerable self with someone. Yeah. And that it's unrealistic to be perfect in front of a long time partner because they are going to see you on the worst days. And actually, maybe your guy friends should see you on your worst days a bit more. Yeah, and also, I mean, this is a bit of a tangent, but why would you even want to be in a relationship where you are acting and putting up this mm. facade of um, perfectness? Because then they can only reach you and get to know you to a certain extent if you're not showing you them your true self. Yeah, I think perfection is a whole other issue that we think that we women should be in a relationship or just like in the workplace or anything. But that is something that is so far beyond any human capability Mm. we're not meant to be perfect i know everyone's like oh nobody's perfect yada 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 but like it is true because no one can be everything and no one can be you could if you have say if you want to get married hopefully your spouse thinks you're like the ideal woman that's great but the next person who turns down the road that who comes down the road isn't gonna love you the same way they do because everyone has a different like type or a different kind of perception of what perfect is so you can be 
you can't be perfect to everyone, but maybe you can be perfect to one person. Yes, I think actually talking about like this idea of perfection and stuff is really interesting because another thing, another really bad kind of mindset or rationale that I had, especially with girls, is that when someone would tell me, and it would, and a lot of the time, interestingly, it would be when a guy friend had got had had been linked with a girl sometime most of the time it was from out of school so we didn't really know them and we would be asking the guy questions about her and we would say like is she funny is she clever is she pretty um Mm. like does she like have a good body or like all of this stuff and it would always be with the intention and a lot of my girlfriends will be able to back this I don't know whether this is a universal thing that people do but a lot of the time we would do it so that we could work out what her big flaw was which is horrific we would be going down and we'd be like okay but if she's funny and intelligent she can't be pretty then or if she's all of these then she's got a real like she must have a really bad family or or like literally trying to find something trying to find something wrong in the girl so that we could feel at ease and that is so messed up yeah it's so gross I use that word when looking back on my past self because I do think it's like a bit repulsive because I think how can anyone have that attitude and like I see then those kind of toxic traits in like um like young girls I was gonna say my younger sister but whatever (laughs) she's been called out no um but like that was me three years ago yeah, yeah. and you don't even see it and that why now if anyone if what any of my friends said I'm in this relationship with this person all I want to know is that they're happy and they're safe and they're comfortable and they're stable care about yeah. The person. yeah and it, your first thought should be happiness for a friend rather than could this break down how long they're going to last what what's how serious is the relationship what have they done what haven't they done like all of those kind of like gossipy bitchy things yes are just so horrible and it will break down friendships and it will break down your idea of other women yeah and um i think there's a florence given quote i can't quite remember it but it's like stop um refuse to find comfort in other women's flaws Mm -hmm. because it's quite frankly a way to rationalize the fact that you are clearly not happy with yourself and and when i say you i mean like we are all include this men and women especially as well because like but I I know myself I have had that thinking pattern for years and like you say it's gross and it's embarrassing to look back Mm -hmm. at it and and think about it and I think think, that was normal yeah and think it was normal and a lot of the time it would literally turn into banter when we'd found this girl's like um claimed flaw we'd find it funny we'd be like oh got it there, there we go she's not she can't be that good then and yeah. and and it stems from not only insecurity and um this con this um false perceived idea of um perfection but also just g- clearly jealousy that um the mm. guy friend was giving his undivided attention to another woman yeah yeah, yeah. you know we, because at, you know at the end of the day in society we are we are trained whether people like it or not or recognize that it's the truth we are trained to perform and um act for for men and strive for men and it's such a heteronormative and um, misogynistic sexist like way of living and thinking it's horrific mm. i when i was reading the book i would joke with my parents a little bit or I'd like read them a little passage when I was like in the lounge or whatever Mm. and I joked with my mum one of the quotes was something along the lines of there is enough space in the world for every woman to be whole without tearing each other down yeah and that I said okay this is your mantra this is what you have to live by and then within the day just comments that 
would be made about other women oh this facebook post this person here this person walking down the street our neighbor all of those kind of things mm. then you you don't even know you're doing it yeah, yeah because you've yeah. been doing it for your whole life and if you, you that i feel should be a sign on everyone's bedroom wall or put it on the mirror or something because you need to be reminded because it takes a lot of time to undo 18 20 30 50 years of internalized sexism for sure and like i completely agree i've had to call my mum out on it and it's like lots it's of super hard yeah yeah and you know you get backlash from it because it's like don't yeah. mum me but and yeah. it's quite funny because a lot of the time when when you know my mum but other other girls and me and me do mm-hmm. it it is directly the biggest flaws that you find in yourself like you mentioned but I want someone to call me out on it in the future. I want people, whoever, if they don't like something I'm saying or I'm tearing down another woman who probably I don't know that well and just have this perception of, I think that it's really, really hard to say to your friends, that wasn't funny, there's this underlying issue there. And it takes a lot of confidence to do that. But I think it's something that makes you a mature individual who has a kind of more open view of the world a more realistic view of the world yeah and i i totally agree um i think that it's important to call your friends out and call, hold them hold them accountable mm-hmm. because ultimately and i genuinely do like um completely agree with you and people say it's dramatic etc etc but when you actually read the book and you actually reflect mm-hmm. on it it genuinely changes your mindset about it and now i cannot go, go a day without recognizing a really toxic trait in my friend myself my sisters, my mother, you know, all of us, we're all victim to it. But um... I just think that we see this in every woman we have a relationship with and that I don't want this to be passed down to the next generation. I don't want to be saying things that I heard at such a young age around my future children. Do you know what I mean? No, for sure. Like, if you wouldn't say those things to your mum or your daughter or your sister then you shouldn't be saying about anyone you shouldn't be saying about anyone and you definitely shouldn't be saying it about yourself but um 100%. i think yeah it was very interesting i was reading a lot of reviews about women don't know you pretty and a lot of people were like i wish i would have read this when i was a teenager and i was just mm. like wow well, yeah. <laughs> i've been blessed that i've been able to read this and um, i just wanted to quickly touch um on a question i got through my instagram poll thingy about how um stereotypically um lesbians in in society so right so stereotypically if we think of a stereotypic lesbian and a lot of people will have this image of like a very masculine gender non-conforming person who potentially has short hair wears boyish clothes etc etc and um the person asked whether we could um explore the fact that the reason why these women no longer feel like they need to perform and put on this feminine self is because they are no longer interested, like literally they're not interested in men in that way. What do you think about that? Well, I was having a really interesting conversation with a friend recently about gay couples Mm. and the fact that there's no presumption there in like a, a stereotypical female and male role. If you're both the same gender, then it's not presumed that someone's going to be more dominant or someone's going to be more masculine or whatever. And I think that we touched on about queer women and how they should, that they are kind of, for me, I see it as they know what they want and their, it's like their self-awareness is so strong that they don't need a man 
in any scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And literally. they can be self sufficient and um I don't know, independent and to be free from the kind of there are barriers, I think, in heterosexual relationships that maybe will never kind of be broken down, even if you've been married to them for fifty years. But maybe in a gay relationship, those kind of there's no presumption there and that you can just kind of be who you want to be if you want to be masculine that's fine if you want to be feminine that's fine because you're not like damaging someone's ego or someone's masculinity by doing whatever you want to do yeah yeah because quite literally there is no like if we're taking about lesbian relationships there is no need to like perform to this masculine you know to um Perform, perform for, for the, the male gaze. Yeah, absolutely. Perform mm-hmm. for the male gaze. I think it's it's just very interesting to sit back and kind of observe that. And um, but we did want to touch a little bit about on the male gaze. So, is there anything you specifically wanted to talk about? Yeah. So, we just wanted to touch on. We spoke about like in the workplace and at school and how people for this pressure to look pretty or girly or feminine. But actually, um, we find it quite ironic, don't we? That women have to spend money on um like pink taxed razors have you heard about that where women's products are more expensive you know they do the exact same thing or different smelling shaving cream or like pepper spray or like attacker alarms and stuff and we're also getting paid less yeah and i just think it's so it's almost comical yeah i to feel safe to go on a night out i need all of these things or even not even things of monetary value like i would feel much more comfortable walking home with one of my guy friends yes or actually i was having a conversation with my sister and she said that sometimes she walks home with her friends who are guys and holds their hand on a night out just so she won't be approached by other men right they're so not let's touch on involved the, yeah, at all. Let, let's touch on this actually idea of the fact that women have to use the excuse of i've got a boyfriend to mm-hmm. um reject men's advancements it is so messed up the only way a man will was like i saw a quote and it was like a man would rather respect another man he knows <sighs> nothing about than a woman who is sat right in front of him mm-hmm. and it's that, like and oh, yeah it's so disgusting. awful yeah and the fact that just because someone is a man means that they're automatically respected when if anything was to go if I was walking home with one of my guy friends and something happened I would probably be able to defend him more than he could defend me but it's that kind of presumed I don't know superiority Mm. of a man and masculinity which is and and respect like literally it comes down to Mm. like respect you can say I have a because I think sometimes I have a boyfriend is more powerful than I'm not attracted to you. I don't want to do this. No. Yeah, because Which, it's an, like you say, an attack on masculinity. Mm. And why should surely the female that you're trying to pursue's views are more important than, oh, I don't want to annoy her boyfriend. Like, ugh, yeah, I think that is really flawed. Yeah. And I think that that presumption from men or women or society in general that just because someone is in a relationship or even seems to be in a relationship is that that's kind of oh I'll take a step back there's nothing I can do here but I could persuade her otherwise if she was single yeah but then then we have then women are faced with the predicament of do I either um 
you know subscribe to these patriarchal ideals and this misogyny and um, mm-hmm. like even in like everyday places like in a cafe and say oh I have a boyfriend or do they um you know stand back and like stand up for themselves yeah. but they face like people have been like killed doing that yeah I think you have to pick your battles because I would say I'd like to be a feminist warrior all the time mm. but the risk is too much sometimes if it's put your kind of beliefs aside or be attacked or um whatever could happen i don't know like just for the sake of shutting up one guy and i think it's sad that we have to kind of pick the battles because we're scared of the consequences yeah and that the consequences could be something terrible so we have to put all of our beliefs on hold just for one drunken idiot yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And um, I've got another thing from Instagram, which is just a general question. It's kind of um, leading back to the start, but um, how and when um, does internalised sexism begin? When Can you remember the first time you recognised it? Because I think for me, genuinely, one of the first times was in secondary school. But what about you? Um, I think I remember specific times where, like, family members would make comments. And even before... I was even thinking about boys or sex or relationships or anything like that and that it was someone would make a comment and because they were um, an adult or because they were in a part of your like your grandparents you have to respect Mm. that it's true and I can remember hearing things about women having to wear makeup and looking pretty or like flight attendants should dress up or um, I can remember my grandma saying something about um, British girls shaved their armpits so they would be different to like the German girls who didn't and that was a whole big thing when she was younger that it was pretty and sexy for women to shave their armpits and I can remember listening to this primary school age I'm thinking and thinking that that was true just because someone who's older than me has said it and because I didn't really understand it, I wasn't going to go away and do my own research. I just kind of took it for fact. And now I think one of the biggest lessons is that, and that I've learned is that anything anyone tells you, you shouldn't, you should always question. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think I've also learned that recently because there's been times where I posted stuff on my story about like certain things, and people have been like, "This isn't actually true." And I think as a generation, we don't question mm. a lot of things because we've been spoon-fed things. Even take like social media, we see things and we're like, "Yeah, that must be true." So I think that's definitely a good point, but. I think when it comes to like people of authority, specifically with family members or even teachers, and when you're that young, you're not going to be, mm. um, you're not going to be use your initiative and be like, oh, I'm actually going to go and research that because it sounds a little bit dubious. You're not, yeah. and then you get f- fed these things because uh, we're all naive at that age. Yeah, exactly. Everyone is naive. It's just that often the system works against women and for men, especially from that young, young of an age. I mean, take even for example in a classroom, if you counted in one lesson the amount of times a boy put their hand up compared to amount of times a girl put a hand up mm-hmm. even in year two year three we're talking like six seven eight years old yeah. the rate of boys putting their hands up more than girls is is going to be higher but I I just I don't know I find it so odd like I want to like see the seed of it because I think as a parent mm-hmm. I would never want to um kind of imbue my children if if I am um, were to have a boy and a girl I would like I would hope to, to treat them equally but it's still even parents who think that they've treated the child equally, the boys often in, in um, classroom situations will have more confidence than the girl. And I just find it so odd. I see that quite a lot. And I think that um, 
it was like the podcast you did with Patrick talking mm. about gendered kind of parenting. And something that I have always said from a young age is that if I was ever to have children um, of different genders or different sexes, that it would 100% the raising of the child would be the exact same. Mm. And that there's we still have excuses. Um, even our grandparents' generation will be like, oh, but he's a boy or, or we'll let it slide. And you let this comment slide, you let the banter slide, you let the locker room talk slide. But then all of these things build up into some people who are dangerous and could turn into people who think that they can just do whatever they want. They can objectify women, they can do whatever they want in society and not suffer the consequences because from birth, they're parents have let them get away with that but they haven't let their sister get away with it for sure no I completely agree I do genuinely think when people say like oh but it's just a joke or like whatever it's like Mm. microaggressions and it's the same with racism like if you let the microaggression slide that is the basis of all discrimination and so if you attack the base of it eventually it will like people I think people think it's I suppose I don't know it's difficult but people think it drip throughs from the top to the bottom but often quite a lot of it is like fundamentally it starts from the base and it works its way up into like the very I think it's you think it's what like the straw that breaks the back the camel's back yes that you tower all these things on top of each other and then suddenly something snaps in someone and then you think well how this boy was so nice how did he turn into a rapist yeah it's all these things and obviously that's a generalization but there will be people out there who have had that mentality given to them from a young age and then suddenly we question why their actions They've done what they've done. Exactly. It's it is very interesting to study language and like the way it develops in children. Anyway, I think we've come to a nice little stop. So um thank you so mm-hmm. much for coming on. It's been a very interesting discussion and you've taught me a lot about male gaze and also I think a lot I, I learned a bit about male friendships because I've never really examined it and re- never really thought about why I valued it more, but it's mm-hmm. clear to see where it comes from. I think encourage everyone at home to have a little think about their friendships and the if the gender of someone is playing a bigger part than how they treat you and others. For sure. And I think we could both say, if you take anything from this, it's to go and buy Florence Givens that women don't owe you pretty because... 100%. It's an incredible Or I'll book. lend you my copy. Yeah, honestly, incredible book. The illustrations in it are beautiful. I had it on display for like a week because it was so pretty. And I, I just... I took a photo shoot with mine because oh, I loved it so much. It's just amazing. I can't recommend it enough. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. For, for men your... and women. For men and Sorry, women at all ages. Like Lolly mm-hmm. said, like, you know, there, there are people who are reading it who are, like, older and it's like, that. oh, they wish that they'd read it younger. But honestly, it's never too late. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Um, and I'll catch you later. Yes, thank you for having me. Bye. So that was Lolly Shelton. You can catch her on Instagram, Lolly underscore. That's L-O-R-L-E-Y. Thank you so much for listening to the end. If you have any thoughts, comments, um, or anything you want to let me know, please let me know on either my Instagram, which is Libby Feet with a double Y, or do it just this podcast on Instagram. I'll catch you in the next episode. Stay safe. Bye.